Again, we welcome you to live streaming from Landmark Baptist Church here in Lyons, Georgia. And we do want you to pray that the Lord will see fit to bless you and pray that uh, uh, this message will be of a help to you if, you if you need this type of help. And we pray that this message will be of a help to you. Um, turn with me, if you would, to um, Romans, the fifth chapter. Let's all stand as we honor God's word by standing. Romans, the fifth chapter. I'm only going to read two verses from this chapter, and that's what I'll be preaching on this morning. These two verses uh, is uh, they're very unusual verses, and um, I like getting unusual verses out of the scriptures and and preaching on them. Um, he says in the tenth verse of the fifth chapter of the book of Romans, he says, "For if when we were enemies." We were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more, being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this day. Thank you, Lord, for the blessings of it. We thank you for this time we have together. We're thankful for those who are here today, thankful for those who are listening. Lord, we pray that you'll bless them as they listen on live streaming this morning. Thank you, Lord, for everything. Thank you for taking care of us. Thank you for, uh, for watching out after us each and every day. Pray for those that are sick, Lord. We've had a couple of three mentioned on the prayer list today. And, Lord, uh, that's added to it. And, Lord, I just pray that you'll go with them. And what, whatever their need is, Lord, we pray that you'll satisfy that need for them. We know that uh, you, you have the power to just speak and all, all the sick will be well. But we know that sometimes there's times when you don't choose to do that. And, Lord, we just pray that you'll see fit to, to bless them and take care of them if it's your will to do so. For it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you. you may be seated. <clears throat> title of my message is Saved by One's Life. Saved by One's Life. I'm going to kind of pull a Winston here this morning, and I'm going to say, what? Saved by One's Life? Everybody knows that we're saved by one's death. That's Winston. Yeah. What? Saved by one's life? What does he mean by that? What does he mean when he says that we're saved by one's life? This is a startling statement. Saved by one's life? Which life? Whose life? It is the life Christ lived before he went to Golgotha's hill. It is the life he lived while on Golgotha's hill. It is the life he's now living after Golgotha's hill. Now, there's some questions to think about here. There's some things to think about here in this passage of Scripture concerning what I just said about the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. What kind of life he lived before 
He went to Golgotha's hill. What kind of life did he live when he went to Golgotha's hill? And what kind of life did he live after Golgotha's hill? Now let me ask you this question. This one question this morning. During any of the times we have previously spoken about, that is, the life of Christ, during any of the times which we have previously spoken about, what if he had committed a sin, as some teach that he could have, if he wanted to? Now, what if during those three times, before he went to Golgotha's hill, when he went to Golgotha's hill, and after he went to Golgotha's hill, let's just say if he committed one sin, if he committed one sin, then it would be the life he lived that would not make him our Savior. He could not be a Savior. That, that I want to... Uh, he says, much more, being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Now, none of the above would be correct, for he would not have been a Savior if he had sinned just once. He would not have been a Savior. Micah gives us a conclusion concerning all sinful men. Uh, now, in book of Micah, you don't have to turn there. I've got it written down here for you. I'll read it. He says, the good man is perished out of the earth, and there is none upright among men. They all lie in wait for blood, and they hunt every man, his brother, with a net. He goes on further to say, that's in verses, Micah 7 and verse 2, he goes, he goes further to say, for the son dishonoreth his father, the daughter riseth up against her mother. Uh, the daughter-in-law rises up against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies are they of his own household, Micah 7, 6. Now, Micah gives us some idea. Do, could, could any man that lives on the face of the earth ever been a savior for men? Could, could any man? Well, there was a time when the Bible says that the Lord looked out upon man. I'm just paraphrasing it. There's a time when the Bible says God looked out upon man and he could not find one man that would satisfy the needs of a Savior. He couldn't find one person. As he looked out upon the earth, he could find none. And Micah tells us the reason. He says all of them, all of them have gone out of the way. All of them have sinned. And so thereby there's not one man could be found that could benefit as a savior for man. But there was only one. There was only one that ever lived in this life. He lived a perfect life all through this life. He died a perfect death, and he had a perfect resurrection, and he, he perfect, he went back to the right-hand throne of God to make intercession as a perfect Savior. He's the only one. You know, we, we may think that we, we find other things in life that will suffice a Savior, 
going to church. That, that won't do it. I'm thankful for everybody that comes to church. But being the church is not going to save you. Uh, uh, being baptized, I'm thankful for every soul that I have baptized. There have been many of them over the years. I'm thankful for every one of them that's been baptized. And for most of you out there, I've baptized you. And, but that won't suffice for a Savior. That won't suffice for salvation. Why? Because after we came out of the baptismal waters, we didn't live a perfect life. None of us. God looked up on man. And he saw nothing that appealed to him to be a savior. So what did he do? God, and I'm just putting this in human terminology, God decided that he was going to come to the earth himself as the incarnate Christ, and he was going to live a perfect life, he was going to die a perfect death, and he was going to, uh, resurrect a perfect resurrection and he was going to go back into heaven as a perfect intercessor. That was the only, that was the only way it could be done. There's no other way. God, God looked at man. God, God said, is there any man out there that can suffice as a savior? Now, you know, we, we put a lot of, we put a lot of, I guess you could say trust in men. I think sometimes we put too much trust in men. And we put trust in men just because they may be good people. I've, I've heard people say to me, well, I was talking to so-and-so the other day, and I know, I know he's not, he doesn't believe much of what the Bible teaches, but he's a good person. He's a good person. And I trust him. You know, we, we sit and say sometimes, I, I don't think we've got many uh, uh, used car salesmen here. But how far can you trust a used car salesman? Something to think about. How far can you trust a doctor? How, 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 far, how far can you, can you trust uh, uh, a lot of things here on earth? How far can you trust a lawyer? You know, the Bible says put trust in no man. But I know of one that we can trust because I know one that lived a perfect life, died a perfect death, was perfectly resurrected, and went, ascended back up into heaven as a perfect intercessor. And he's there today speaking on the behalf of his children who have been born again. I know of him. And this last thing that Micah said here, he said, For the son dishonoreth his father, the daughter riseth up against her mother, the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, a man's enemies are they of his own household. Now, if this is true, and I believe it is, for Jesus quoted it himself. Jesus quoted what Micah said in the New Testament. Jesus quoted this very thing of what Micah said in the New Testament. 
He quoted him. And I, and I, I know it's true because he quoted him. The same thing, he quoted the same thing, then how could one be qualified to be a savior of men if this is true? If daughter rises up, if his son rises up against his own father, and they do it. Matter of fact, I've got a boy that I ran around with, and, and I don't want anybody to say, well, you know, that, that you condone this stuff now because I sure don't. But I had a boy that I ran around with. We rode motorcycles together, and uh, he killed his own father. And then he fled, he fled Kentucky, and he came to Georgia. He came down here, and when he got to Thompson, Georgia, he was riding his, his Harley Davidson. When he got to Thompson, Georgia, he raped this girl, and before he let her go, he cut the ends of her breast off. So where is he today? He's in Georgia State Prison over there. Uh, Joseph he's serving life without parole now if he ever got out if he ever got out he has to go back to Kentucky and stand trial for killing his own daddy now some people says, well now how can people do stuff like that he's telling us here that it is possible that this could happen among men there, there's no impossibilities of what man does that the Bible doesn't teach us is a possibility that they will do. We see everything going on now in city after city. We see all of these things going on. Well, how, how can people do that? Well, they can do that because the Bible says they're prone to it. I tell you, folks, it's, a, it's something to think about when we think about this very thing. How could anybody qualify that lives on the earth, has ever lived on the earth, how could any of them qualify to be a Savior? There's only one. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. We are to trust no one but he that lived a sinless life, died a sinless death, and ascended back into heaven as a sinless intercessor. Thus we are saved by his life. We're saved by his life because if he had not have lived a perfect life, you're going to hear me say this quite a few times through this message because this is part of the message. How, how, can, we, how can we not realize that he died, he, he lived a perfect life, he died a perfect death, he was resurrected as a perfect, as a perfect one from the grave, and he went, he ascended back up into heaven as a perfect intercessor. So what does that make him? That makes his life a perfect savior. That's what he's talking about here in his passage here. When he says here, he says, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by his death. That's number one. The death of his son. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Now, if, if, if you, you say, well, I have a problem with the death of Christ, would well, you have a problem with the life of Christ? 
If you have a problem with the life of Christ living here on earth, as I've heard some say, if you have a problem with the life of Christ living here on earth, then he could not be your Savior. If Jesus could have sinned, not saying, not saying that we know he didn't sin, but if Jesus could have sinned, that is saying that he's not perfect. But he is perfect. And his life produced, the life that he produced while he was here on earth. And let me tell you, folks, he lived it as an example for each and every one of us to live. Boy, how we fail. How we fail. How we fail the Lord so much in this day and time. We'll never know, you know, how we failed. How many times, how many times was he tempted here on this earth? Well, we know the Bible teaches us he was tempted exactly like we're tempted. Oh, he was tempted to sin. He was tempted to sin. And, and he, he, he lives so close to sin and he, that, that a lot of people says, how in the world could he have lived that close to sin and not be a sinner? Well, even the Pharisees said that. The Pharisees, they, even they said that. They said, well, he eats with sinners. He drinks with sinners. Is he not a glutton? Is he not a wine builder like they are? Boy, I'm thankful to God that he could eat with a sinner and drink with a sinner, but yet still live a perfect life. How many times, how, how can we do it? How, how, how do you think we would live up to that? Could we, can we party with sinners and not do what they do? Can we drink with sinners and not do what they do? Well, really, we're expected to. We're expected to do the same thing they do because you know what happens if you withdraw yourself out of the life of people than what they're going to say about you. They're going to say awful things about you. They sure are. They're going to say awful things about you. It was said, and this, this is a two-line two, two line poem, probably one of the short, shortest poems that ever written. It is said, Dear Master, in whose life I see all that I would but failed to be. Oh, I'm telling you folks today, I, I want you to see the perfection that was in the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to see that today. And if you're, if you're here and lost, I want to tell you, he is the only one that can save your unworthy soul. He's the only one can do it. Now, I don't know who wrote this short poem, but I see where he is coming from, comparing our life to his leads to shame and disgrace. On our part, his life, his death, and his resurrection will never, ever be repeated again. 
these little children being born, it won't be repeated in them. Oh, I know they're little angels. I know when you take that little baby in your arms and, oh, this is a perfect angel. But actually, he's not. Griffin's not here today. If he was, I still say this. If I was at Jim and Christie's when Griffin just learned to take a hold of stuff and stand up. They had a little. They had a coffee table, I guess it was there, and he had something sitting on it. And Christie had told uh, had told Griffin said, "Now leave that alone. Don't touch that." And here he was. He was watching his mama that hand. Looking, he was looking at his mama that that hand. He touched it. Him that little. They may be perfect angels when they're little, but let me tell you, folks, when they grow up, they're not perfect angels. There is no perfection in them. Jesus is the only one that has ever lived upon this earth that lived a perfect life, died a perfect death, had a perfect resurrection, and as a perfect intercessor, went and sat down on the right hand of the throne of God. And he's making intercession for us today. That perfection never goes away. Matter of fact, the Bible says that when he went, when he ascended back up into heaven, he got back everything he had when he left heaven. Christ gave up some glory to came to could come to the earth. Oh, how he was persecuted. How he was lied about. How he was spoken about how the things that people said about him wow this man says he's a savior now all y'all know he's the son of a carpenter all all of you know that he he wasn't born even, even those Jews those Jews said he wasn't born of royalty that's the reason they didn't accept the Messiah, as I said Wednesday night. They didn't accept the Messiah because they were looking for someone who was born of royalty. Jesus had to be born of a king and a queen, and he had to be presented to the earth as, as royalty before some of those Jews would have accepted him as a Messiah. As I said Wednesday night, he was... He, he was after the order of Melchizedek. What does it say about Melchizedek in the scriptures? It said he didn't have a mother. He didn't have a father. Well, Jesus was the same as Melchizedek. You'll say, well, Jesus had a mother. Well, what about when his mother came to him and said, son... They want you to make some wine here. They need it. What he say to his mother? He says, he says, who are thee? Who are thee that you would come and tell me what, I, what to do? I'm your mama. I'm your mama, you know. He said, who are thee? Read it. It's in the scriptures.
Praise God, I have a Savior. Praise God, if you're saved out there today, you have a Savior. Uh, last thing I'm going to talk about today is some of the things that humans do. Some of the things that we humans do. We give doctors far too much power in saving lives. How many times have you heard and I've heard, if the old family doctor was alive, he could have saved my family member. Doctors cannot save lives. Oh, they can doctor you, and I'll tell you, if you've got pain, they're a wonderful thing to see. Because they can give you something to get rid of it. As old Dr. George Merritt, he's gone on now. He used to drink coffee with us several years ago. And he looked at me one morning, and I went to see him when I, when I first moved down here, Joseph. He, I, I had some problems, and I went to see Dr. Merritt. And he gave me some medication, gave me a shot and some medication. And he looked at me one morning, and he said, I tell you, he said, what I should have done when you came to see me is I should have given you something to put you out of your misery. And he could have, because by that time I'd got to know him and he'd got to know me. He said, I'm sick and tired of hearing about Kentucky. And that's what he told me. He said, I should have given you something to put you out of your misery. And I wouldn't have to hear any more about Kentucky. What do we humans do? We put far too much power into man in saving lives. To what means will men and women go to try and find one who they believe can save the life of a loved one. What means will we go to? That one woman in the scripture, she said, I've spent everything I've had. I've, I've spent every dime I've got trying to get over this issue of blood. And what did the perfect one do? What did the perfect one do? He healed her. He said, you haven't been going to the right people. He said, you've come to the right one. What did, he, what did he tell the poor Samaritan woman? He said, you're in the right place right now. You're in the right place. You're, you're exactly where you need to be right now because I've got water that once you drink it, it becomes as a stream of spirituality in your life. You'll never, ever thirst again. If you drink of the water that I give you, you'll never thirst again. If you eat of the food he gives you, you'll never be hungry again. What a great blessing that is. Yeah, that's, that's, that's promises to us. That's what he promised that Samaritan woman. That's promises to us. Promises to us. Well, today I'm telling you a one who did live, who did die, who sinned not, 
and who is living today that can and will save your life eternally if you call upon him today. Ask him. If you're here and lost, ask him to save you. You young people here, some of you are not too young to call upon the Lord, save your soul. I learned a great lesson, Brother Sam, in the military. One thing I learned in the military, I didn't learn it after I got out. God causes his chosen to be preserved. God watches over them. Because if God had to send me to hell the way I acted in the military, I would have gone to hell. He knows how I acted in the military. He knows when I was a drill sergeant what the songs I used to sing to the recruits. They were terrible. They were awful. I wouldn't repeat them for nothing in the world. But I learned one thing, God preserves them. Why, God should have killed me before I ever got out of the military. He should have seen that I, I, I was dead. He should have sent me to Vietnam and had me killed. He could have. He takes care of them until he is ready to reveal to them his eternal life. His son lived for them. His son lived for them to enjoy eternal life. Praise God, what a shepherd. Praise God, what a savior. Praise God, what one saved my life. Wonderful praise. May God show you today the life that Christ lived. And you can also live the same life. You'll say, well, I'm not perfect. The Bible says you are. Yeah, that's something in it. The Bible says you're perfect if you're saved because the, the, the righteousness that was in Christ was given to you. If you're saved, the righteousness in Christ was given to you. Now your soul and your spirit can never send that away. He never promised anything about these bodies. He said many times in the scriptures where these bodies were going to go. It's taught many times in the scriptures what's going to happen to these bodies. If you're not, if you, if you go before the Lord comes back for his saved, then your body's going in the grave just like everybody else's. It's going to be purified in the grave. Someday, if you're saved, it's going to come up out of the grave as a perfect body. Not, not, as, not as a terrestrial body. It's going to come up as a celestial body. It's going to be a body that can enter into heaven. The way your body is right now, you couldn't go to heaven if you, if you fought everything. If you done everything in the world, if you cut off every hand, plucked out every eye, cut off every foot, If, if, if you dragged yourself from, from, from uh, a thousand miles away to Mecca, like some of them do, 
these people who dragged themselves on the ground all the way to Mecca just to get the they think it's exactly what God expects of them. There's people right right where Winston's from. There's people that hang themselves up on with big hooks and they hang there by their flesh thinking it's going to get them somewhere. It won't. It won't do it. There's nothing you can do in this life, in this body, that's going to get you eternal life. But once you have eternal life, you're a perfect person. Perfection has come your way. And what a great blessing. Yes, we're saved by his life also. We sure are. I'm going to go down front, and if Reggie would come on up here and, and bring a song with him, then uh, and cut this thing.